Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Man, there was a bear bear, all black and brown and covered in hair. Hi everyone, I'm Kama, and you can find me at Oxford Splice on Twitter. And today I am joined by Lot. Hi, I'm Lot, uh, Lady of Tarth on Tumblr, Lady of Tarth hyphen post on Tumblr.com, <laughs> at the Lady of Tarth on Twitter. And Chicky. Hey, I am Chicky. I am at the Chickren on Twitter. And Clotho. Hi, I'm Clotho, and you can find me at Clotho Spindle on Twitter. Okay, so um, if you're new to us, as always, we will be spoiling everything, show and books. Um, and today uh, we are going to be starting our reread of A Clash of Kings, and we will be looking at the prologue. So um, we begin on Dragonstone, and our POV character is Maester Cresson, who is watching the red comet uh, that is appearing all over Westeros. And they received a white raven from the Citadel, which I guess uh, is like they send out to announce when the end of summer is near. Um, Crescent is aged and infirm. And I feel by the end of this prologue, I feel it almost as much as he does. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and clearly he's senile too, a little bit senile because, you know, like a couple of times people call him like forgetful and old and, and you just get the feeling that he he doesn't want to think of himself that way, but he clearly is. Well, it's, they describe, he describes that we get a lot of the, um, I didn't, there was so much of the really, it's really interesting the way Dragonstone is described here. I should have picked out a couple passages just because it was so cool, but it sounds like there are endless flights of stairs. And yeah. every single time that man has to go up or down them, he feels them. And as somebody who sometimes has knee problems, I felt it too. Definitely does <laughs> not meet accessibility standards by no stretch of the imagination. Um, not a fun place to grow old in. No. No, no. It kind of reminded me of um, years ago, I went on a tour of the Frank Lloyd Wright home, Falling Rock in uh, Pennsylvania, which is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. I just, there are no railings on the stairs. All the, <sighs> and I just kept going like, oh, my God, this is not a home Safe. to go hold it, you know? Safety. <laughs> um, anyhow, he's he's got another maester there, a younger maester named Py- or Pylos or Pylos, I think. I don't know how you say it. God, but no. In my head, it was like, Pylos. Pylos, yeah. <laughs> The wait, the maester in waiting, and he kind of knows the end is nigh. I think, um, as far as Crescent goes, but um, and we get to meet Shireen for the first time, who comes with the creepiest clown ever, um, Patchface, and um, creepy uh, but sad. Like how very it's, it's, sad. It's, it's such yeah. a sad yeah. story because, like, I don't know. I didn't really paid much attention to Patchface, but to learn, like. Well, he was a slave, but then, you know, he was brought over because he was apparently quite brilliant. You know, he could sing in four different languages and he's, you know, seemed like a real get, like something valuable, someone valuable to bring over. And then to like get in the shipwreck 
and then I, I mean, it makes it sound like we basically was brain damaged, right? Because yeah. well, he was lost it yeah. like for two days, yeah. and I think he's the only three survivor. Three days. Mm. Three days. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the only one who survives this shipwreck, which is crazy, and he has all of these like. <laughs> anecdotes about life under the sea which of course have spawned a thousand different um, <laughs> theories about him being taken and in by the they're, they're all whatever. crazy I mean it's all like and it, it just adds to a very this chapter has a very surreal feel to it at a couple mm. points and it, it just, does yes it just sort of adds to it um, I mean I, I also forgot this part like Shireen has come because she wants to see uh, the White Raven and part of the reason she's even there at the time of, I guess it's night that she's there is because she's had nightmares that the stone dragons at Dragonstone are coming to eat her. Yeah. And I mean, part of me is like, that's probably not that wrong, but, um, <laughs> and it, it's kind of interesting. I thought the exposition about the history of Dragonstone and that it was created by Valerians and like this, the speculation that I think, threads through a lot of the book about what the comet means. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was interesting. Like patch face keeps saying things like the shadows come to dance, my Lord, dance, my Lord, dance, my Lord. The shadows come to stay, my Lord, stay, my Lord, stay, my Lord. I mean, he's not wrong. He's <laughs> not, but it's also creepy <laughs> as hell. Um, and you know, it's, it, this chapter is kind of helpful, I think, in establishing the history for like who Stannis is and who Robert is and, and I, Renly. I found with this chapter, it just kind of like, I don't know how popular this is going to be, but I like really hate Stannis after this chapter. <laughs> like I just, he is so too. unlikable. Like I, I mean, get, I get why the, I get where the storm Lords are coming from. <laughs> No, I, I'm a big Stannis fan, but I mean, at the end of this chapter, I just wanted to like reach the page and slap him upside the head and say, what the hell this old man who's raised you be nicer. Damn it. Yeah. No, like no, no, no Stannis Stan has ever like failed to admit that Stannis is just a total unrelenting asshole at almost every point. <laughs> and so it's like shocking is 35. I was like, wow. He just see, and he does seem, you know, even ha- the way he behaves, he seems older aside from like the portrayal in the show. But I was like, wow, he's not that old. <laughs> well, there, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. it, it strikes me as, I mean, the show kind of those actors were all a lot older than their mm. characters are supposed yeah. to be. So it's, yeah. but, um, I mean, Stannis and Ned are oh. the same age in the books. Yeah. 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 Um, and and Ned, I don't think is supposed to be Sean Bean aged. I think Ned's supposed to be like, yeah, Ned's 35. like thirty five. Mm-hmm. Ned, so. Ned's thirty five. That's wild. Yes. That's so oh. wild. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but this is where we get the backstory about um, uh, Stefan and Cassandra Baratheon basically drowning in a storm, which their kids saw. Oh. Um, and we learn about Davos and who Davos is. And um, I thought that was a little interesting, too. But the part, I mean, some of this broke my heart a little bit. Like, Crescent keeps thinking about the Baratheons, who he basically, it sounds like he was pretty much raising them, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to read this little bit um, where he learns about Renly with his rainbow guard. 
It was just the sort of notion that would appeal to Renly Baratheon, a splendid new order of knighthood with gorgeous new raiment to proclaim it all. Even as a boy, Renly had loved bright colors and rich fabrics, and he had loved his games as well. Look at me, he would shout as he ran laughing through the halls of Storm's End. Look at me, I'm a dragon, or look at me, I'm a wizard, or look at me, I'm I'm the rain god. The bold little boy with wild black hair and laughing eyes was a man grown now, one in twenty, and still he played his games. Look at me, I'm a king, Cresson thought sadly. Oh, Renly, Renly, dear sweet child, do you know what you are doing? And would you care if you did? Is there anyone who cares from him, for him but me? Uh, it's so sad because, like, Crescent truly did raise these boys. You know, he thinks about that at one point. Like, all three of them were, like, in his care. And he, you know, never had kids. But that was as close as he was ever going to have um, as being a father. And now to watch them like one's gone the other two are you know at war and when it turns the talk turns to the thought of you know what if Renly was gone what if he was dead and Crescent is like the only one who's like no that's horrible how can you even say that where everyone else is like well maybe (laughs) even and and you think god you think about how attached he must have been because he's it sounds like he was pretty much with them all the time in a way that like most of the fathers probably wouldn't have been, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? If he was there mm-hmm. educating them and like such a, just such a close environment, like it's just totally different than, you know, somebody who would, would have gone off or it's just, yeah. Well, cause well, Renly was, was a baby close. when the parents yeah. drowned. So he would yeah. have raised him until Stannis gave uh dragonstone to or not stannis robert gave uh stannis dragonstone so that's until a, robert went away yeah that's a yeah. pretty yeah. big chunk of formative years there and presumably yeah. they crescent, did get together occasionally you know well crescent stayed with him probably i think crescent stayed with stannis and i kind of have always gotten the sense that renly stayed with stannis, stannis until probably. um robert yeah. gave storm's end to renly so they're so. pretty close yeah yeah, yeah well you sense it here. Well, it's like with, with Crescent, I mean, you kind of have to, you know, as always, you have to kind of pull the, the narrator out of it and go, well, in anyone's eyes, Renly is committing treason against someone mm. by declaring himself right. king because yeah, he definitely has an older brother and Joffrey is also yeah. technically king. So, you know, I mean, you know, uh, the, the pretty standard, you know, uh, punishment for treason is death. So it's not strange that people are saying that Renly should die, but you just see Crescent loves Renly, you know, not quite as much maybe as he loves Stannis, just because he has such a soft spot for Stannis, but he loves them both, and he's just sick at the idea that one of them might kill the other. You can tell he's not quite as attached to Robert, but he clearly loved Robert, too. Right. Yeah. Um. So then we we learn about who Davos is, and the the fun that, you know, Stannis... He, he Davos broke the blockade, got them the food that kept them going and returned. He got the knighthood, the keep and the land, but Stannis insisted on taking off four of his finger joints. Because... Yet another reason to be like, what a dick. Like, really? Except Davos has never loved him more for that. I mean, it's just... Well, that's what you learn in this chapter, isn't it? I mean, we, we talk about this as like Jamie stands and stuff. <laughs> George gives you kind of hints about people early on that maybe there's a little bit more to than than what you might see right away. And with Stannis, you see this just undying loyalty that he's capable of inspiring in a mm. few really worthy people. 
Yeah. And I think it's kind of the thing that makes you give him a second look and say, you know, maybe he's not all bad. Maybe there's, you know, maybe he is one of those gray characters where there's a mix of both. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I think, and I think the fact that, you know, I, what I love like with Davos is he's like, he knows he's never going to be the, I mean, he puts an onion on his sigil for God's sakes. Because, (laughs) you know, he knows he's not ever going to have, he is who he is. Um, They go up to the uh, the chamber with the painted table, which sounds like it's even bigger than what they had on the show. And what they had on the show looked super cool. Um, But they described this table as being 50 feet long and like 25 feet wide. (laughs) Oh, on the show, was the table carved in the shape of Westeros, or was it just painted on there? I honestly can't remember. I think it was Could carved I because it? Sure. I remember it looking uncomfortable when they had their little scene yeah, that's on the table. That's all was, I it remember. Had, yeah, it had like. Oh, mouth. I forgot about that. Yeah, it was oh. spiky, yeah. and we were all like, "Sit down at with your paper." I would not want to be like having intercourse <laughs> on this table. <laughs> that was the takeaway. On the ridges of the mountains in your yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> Um. Uh, so we get to meet the, and I was just thinking, like fifty feet long. I'm pretty sure, like that's double the size of my apartment. You know? My old. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's longer than my house. Like, yeah. <laughs> my house and it's like house. a room. It's not even. I mean, it's just anyhow. Somebody um, should George, gift George, George a measuring it. tape. Yeah, that was, well, I mean, sorry. granted, I'm assuming if you have a castle, even a smaller one like Dragonstone, it's not going to be the size of my, of my apartment here. So, one would hope. Um, now, is this a show like thing that has seeped into my brain too? Like, is it carved out of the rock of the, or is it like built by like stone? Oh, I didn't copy that passage and i should have um they mentioned something about the valerians having some means of shaping right. stone i think is oh. the way it said it in the chapter it sounds like it's pretty detailed i mean it's not yeah. um it's not well, like you know they slapped a, a stencil on there and called it you know well and all the dragon stuff has been pretty carved or shaped pretty right pretty i guess if you're using dragons okay. to like build things like is your construction equipment you know let's go big <laughs> maybe that's it get the dragons to help stack the stone i don't know <laughs> or blow holes into the stone or mountain or whatever i'm just really quickly trying to find it i know there's this whole while i'm doing that i just thought the, the I really much prefer show Stannis to the description of um of of book Stannis. Book Stannis. <laughs> the visuals? Well, I mean just he's got you know, he's bald except the fringe. I mean it's just kinda like <laughs> That's not a good look. Well actually this was far too handsome, let's just be really frank. He was too hot to be Stannis. I had to Danny. laugh because like they I don't know if it it was it Stannis they described as piebald. Or was that Crescent? That's no, Tyrion, I think, I think that isn't it? Or no, 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 it's um, Catchface. Catchface, yeah. Oh, okay. Cause I had to look up piebald. I'm like, what is that? So for those that don't know, it's basically that moo cow shape pattern. That's the kind of bald we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's a great look he's got Catchface has going on there. Um, so anyhow, and I can't find this description, but... Um, I don't know. It's this is Stannis at his most grudgiest about everything. He's 
bitter that the oh. Lords of Storm's End have gone to Renly. He's bitter that um, it's a great Renly was given Storm's baby. End in the first place. He's just really pissed. He's pissed about Ned. Oh, he, yeah, that Robert loved Ned more than him, and he, you know, never even, you know, took his hand and thanked him, and oh, man, he was mad. <laughs> like, reason but, um, three to dislike him was just how <laughs> fucking sulky he was. So sulky. Well, he's got such a chip on his shoulder. Oh. Like, it is a boulder on his shoulder. Yeah. Oh, it's painted. It's not carved. The show went with the carved look, which is uh, really striking. But again, I don't know practically if that's something you would want to yeah. use as a table. Yeah. Um, and there's a speculation, which I thought was, again, I totally forgotten this, which was basically Crescent's advice is that Robert should try to reach out. Oh, yeah, because Stannis won't reach out to Rob because, you know, he's dared to take the title of King of the North. So Crescent is trying to persuade him to reach out to Lysa Aaron and this idea of um, Shireen and Robin together, which, I mean, on paper sounds great, but um, yeah. And we get to meet. What's funny. What's funny is despite everything that we know about Lysa Aaron and what's going on in the veil, I was like, Oh, she really would do better if they sent her to the area. (laughs) And that's really sad. Yeah. That's pretty depressing. (laughs) Um, and we get to meet Celise. And I, I got to say, this is where Crescent kind of, I mean, I've been kind of sympathetic to him. But when he's describing Celise, I'm like, dude, she's not attractive. But that doesn't mean you have to, you know, I don't know. Yeah, no. Kind of, Crescent, you know. Crescent, you get the feeling that, I mean, other than Shireen, but she's a kid, he might be a little bit of a woman hater because he's just relentless with every every adult woman that he interacts with here. Yeah, it's just, it's really, it's nasty, it's, she's, I, and it sounds like Stannis and Celise do not have the greatest of marriages, but, you know, again, it just, like, this is where I started to question a little bit about Crescent, um, and then the whole, we start to learn about the Lord of Light, and that Celise is a convert, and also that Crescent really, 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 really hates Melisandre. Um, Which is interesting because, you know, we, we, we don't really get far enough into the story here to see why he hates Melisandre so much. I mean, most of what you see of, of people trying to influence Stannis is like (laughs) really just Solis. So, you know, like it's later on, we'll see why Crescent probably hated Melisandre so much. Yeah, because I don't think it's, yeah, I agree. It's not really, I mean, and I mean, Stannis, for all, like, his faults in this chapter, and they are many, does seem to be, like, you know, somewhat, like, okay, I'm going to listen to my wife now. You know, she's, like, you know, he's not totally off base for that. Um, Crescent makes the return trip to his, again, every time this man had to go somewhere, I was like, oh, God, no. You know, because... <laughs> I know I got tired every time he had to go somewhere. <laughs> um, but he's he's putting together um, basically he's got a, a little vial with the strangler, which is that horrible poison, and he's going to do his duty to Stannis. And he wakes up or falls asleep, wakes up late, and they're already feasting. And this was like a horrible scene, but kind of a great scene in a way. I mean, I felt it was horrible in mood. Um, I felt really badly for him at times because 
Oh my God. It was just so poorly done. Like I could just feel yeah. the room looking at him like, dude, you, we all know what you're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, yeah. like the thing with Patchface and Melisandre putting the Patchface has that crazy helmet oh with the God. cowbells and antlers. Who and she the, makes f- him put, who the fuck put it on the old man's head. Yeah. Who the fuck conceived of this helmet in the first place? Like, that's just mean. <laughs> It's like he like a helmet. Okay, so it's like a, a described as like a bucket with antlers oh, and like mini cowbells all over it. Like that's just torture. Mean. And then like you know, okay, he's an old man, and you you kind of like basically it, it's sort of like a mean girl scene here. It feels like yes, for sure. <laughs> I'm Very not much. wrong there, right? Where he's like no, basically all, like oh no no. On Wednesdays, with your paint, too old. I'm replacing you with this dude. You can't sit with us. Literally, it was a you can't sit with us scene. (laughs) He could have had this private conversation with him, or even semi-private. You know, hey, we're going to transition you out, get you a little retirement. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Um, And I mean, this one little passage I wanted to read, um, which was um, Maester Crescent, this is after Stannis basically says, you're too old and too sick and I've got Pylos now, so, you know, deal. Maester Crescent blinked, Stannis, my lord, my sad, sullen boy, son I never had, you must not do this. Don't you know how I have cared for you, lived for you, loved you despite all. Yes, loved you better than Robert, even, or Renly, for you were the one unloved, the one who needed me most. Yet aloud, he said, all he said was, as you command, my lord, but but I am hungry. Might not I have a place at your table? And then he's thinking at your side, belong at your side. Oh, yeah, no, it's pretty rough. I mean, you know, it's it's. It's any scene that you see where an old person is completely disrespected and mocked somewhat behind their back and somewhat to their face and. Um, I think in this final scene, you you do get the sense that that there is a little bit of senility in Crescent. You finally kind of see it in in the way that like he thinks he's handling things in one way, mm-hmm. and yet everybody kind of knows what he's doing. Like mm-hmm. I think it was Clotho mentioned. Um, no, it was me. But Sorry. It, it's it's what this is is a very well done scene because you just kind of feel all of the emotions. You feel you feel you feel terrible for Crescent at the same time. Anybody who's had to to deal with an older person that's, that's, you know, wanting to do things their own way and, and, and not wanting to take help or take the advice that they need to retire or things, you know, you've kind of seen both sides of it and it's just yeah. like, Oh, this is awful, but they're so cruel to him. And yeah, it, the fact that Stannis goes along with this thing that Celise says of, you know, put the thing on his head, then he stands up for Crescent a little bit, but not all the way. And it's just like, Oh, they're God. all assholes. They're all assholes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just, like I get it. He's he's past his his prime. He needs to, yeah. But it's just it's so mean. It's um, like I, I can't really even really tell hate you Stannis how. here, which I normally don't. I normally stick up for him, but here I'm like, you bastard! My God, what the hell is wrong with you? I think um, St- was it Davos was the only one that kind of afterwards said you could yeah. sit with me. I think yeah. he was, yeah. but that was yeah. well into it. But. Yeah, Davos um, and was then, the of only course, sympathetic of the bunch. Like he was the only one like that was human in this scene to me everybody else is beyond just beyond well and i think that's useful because we that sets up who davos is yeah you know um and he desperately is trying to get melisandre to drink with him and finally she drinks from the poison cup deeply and then he drinks the last little bit and she's fine and he's not and he dies (laughs) 
And I, it, this was like a beautifully written ch- chapter, but oh, it was so, I don't know. You know, George really shines in a prologue, Mm. generally speaking, Mm. even when the people that he's writing from the POV of are are terrible people. He is so good at this little, really short story thing where he just gives you everything about a person in one chapter. You kind of get the essence of their entire life, and he actually makes you kind of like care what happens to them. Just for a minute or two, it's it's pretty impressive, really. I mean, it's funny that he is so well known for these just long, ponderous books when this is really where he shines. Yeah. And it's just little microbursts like this. Think of what he packed into this little chapter. We know who Shireen is. We've got the whole creepiness with the patch face and all of the crazy things he's saying. We get a sense of who Stannis is, who Renly is. We also get a sense of who Davos is and Solis to a certain extent. And then the introduction of Mel, who, yeah. But, I mean, it's all done. And it's like also we get a portrait of this old man. And the poison that will come into play later, too. Later, yeah. You you have no idea that, you know, when you're reading it at the time, but it is a real. Oh, there's there's a. There's a ton of, of world building and, and history in this chapter. Um, but also the way that George crafts this so that, you know, obviously you meet Crescent first and, and Pylos to an extent, but, you know, it's it's really Shireen and Patchface that you meet first, and then you meet Davos. So, you know, George is giving you kind of subtle clues about what you need to pay the most attention to, who you need to pay the most attention to, like, you know, like... Who, who has the most interesting story here. He always does this or tries to where he kind of approaches um, the political situation from the side and, and from the point of views of the people who are close to the people in power and not generally the people actually in power. And it is just right. such an interesting way to tell a story. And he's, this is just him at his best. Hope, hope I get to read something new that he writes at some point <laughs> in time. Hope I get to read another prologue, George. Uh. What, what do they say? Hope in one hand, shit in the other. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was, uh, you know what I thought it was interesting? There's a little th- nugget within this chapter, too, when they were talking about the siege and mm-hmm. how Stannis, um, you know, they were all starving. And then it was actually Ned that uh, lifted the siege on them. Oh. And, yeah. then, and then yeah, you have a moment. And then you have a moment where Stannis is like, what do I owe Ned Stark and his family? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I can think of something. <laughs> and the, the thing is, is, they're not, I mean, okay, personality-wise, they're different, but they're not that dissimilar and, like, like... It would have made good sense, honestly. Yeah. Like, Crescent was so in the right, like... So there's kind of an ongoing theme, and I think George is, is definitely queuing you up for this, and this is, you know, the, 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 the wonder and the tragedy of Stannis, that because of who he is and what he is, he, he just can never bend the right way to make the smart decisions. Here's Crescent giving him good advice and being like, you know, you need some fucking allies, dumbass. You can't do this on your own. Everybody hates you. Nobody wants to join your side, you know. Make make common cause with Rob Stark, you know, make an alliance with, you know, Lysa Aaron, you know, get get some get some allies going. And because Stannis has to have all or nothing with yeah. the seven kingdoms, he just can't do it. And it is just I mean, it's so typically Stannis. And of course, you just see it right here at the beginning. 
Yeah. And it's what kind of damns them. And I also oh, yeah. want to, because we do, we are Jamie and Brienne podcast. There was a mention that I don't know who the Tarths are that met with them in the Grove, oh, yeah. but like at, they did try at to midnight, get. Like, was it too? It was like <laughs> under yeah. a cloak of darkness. <laughs> So. Well, this is this is one of the unknowns about Brienne. We really don't know that she doesn't have a ton of like aunts and uncles and cousins and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a, a tendency in fandom to assume that, you know, because she's it's her father's her and her child, dad. It's, it's just <laughs> the two of them. And we really don't know that at all. Like, we definitely know she has some sort of relative who was at the wall. So, yeah, yeah we, we don't know. I assume that if they met with anyone, it was probably Selwyn. I imagine that Selwyn went and met with uh, with Davos. They do make a mention of Tarths, plural, so I have to wonder who yeah. else was there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I assumed it was mm-hmm. Selwyn and someone. Yeah. I mean, you know, the way that George writes about houses, it could have just been a delegation of people from House Tarth who weren't necessarily That's Tarth themselves. But yeah, we don't we don't really know. But you know, it's it's a good thing to keep in mind. You know, you, you get a lot of things in fandom that become kind of fanon, like the fact that there are only like two Tarths in the world, and we really don't know that. <laughs> I got another thing that came out of this chapter that becomes a thing in fandom that is maybe not accurate is the uh, rainbow guard. And I've been guilty of this too. Like it's not, they, they mentioned that the rainbow Renly's rainbow guard, they each have a color of their own. They actually aren't wearing rainbow cloaks. <laughs> yeah. 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 I forgot about that. I was like, <laughs> I was like oops. Did we have any mail? Yes, we do. Our first one is a ancient octagon from Reddit said um, uh, about the. Uh, do you think Patchface's song um, about the shadows coming to dance is him foreseeing Renly's murder? Yes. Yes. It seems like it. <laughs> there's there's a lot of things Patchface says that are just. <laughs> I just I don't know about the under the sea, you know, men wearing hats. I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> there that's... is extensive analysis on the internet <laughs> of every word that's ever come out of Patchface's mouth, and many theories for every single line. If you want to go look it up, is there drowned god stuff for that? Is there? Oh. A... Yes, oh. there's drowned god stuff. There's definitely oh. the mer folk or whatever they call them in yeah. it in the song. Mer people, mermaids, mermen. I yeah. don't know. There, there's a ton of that. <laughs> Like Ferris. I actually yeah, wrote okay. him into a fic once, and I don't like clowns, so that I did that says a lot. But um, <laughs> I remember having to look up all of the different things he said to sort of weave them into the story, and I was like, That's cool. "This yeah. stuff is so creepy." I mean, everything out of this guy's mouth is like disturbing as hell and yeah, sad. Like, it's so sad. Some sympathy. <laughs> like, like she doesn't want to listen to it anymore because it's also it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, he the shadows come to stay. I think is the newest one, like you know, the newest earworm, so to speak. And um, <laughs> she doesn't like that, like icky breaky heart of Dragonstone. Oh, or icky breaky heart. <laughs> God, I guys, I just hope that you know, like there was this this thing that was going around the internet a few years ago that that. George has changed his mind about someone he intentionally, you know, or intended originally to kill and who was killed on the show. And dear God, I hope it's Shireen. Shireen. I hope so too, because <sighs> she's so sweet. Oh yes. Oh my God. Any, well, uh, Jamie and Brienne and then uh, Shireen. Just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have one from Buck O'Hare uh, from Discord uh, to 
Dubrotypes stress the role of the prologue as establishing the expansion of A Song of Ice and Fire into religion, magic, and power. What do you think the prologue sets up? And would t- the team change Mel's characterization here? Mm-hmm. No, because, you know, as I said, y- you're taking... And George wants the reader to do this, to take Crescent's opinion of Mel. But if you actually look at what she does, she really doesn't do much that's that's bad at all here other than see what Crescent is trying to do and kind of make fun of him for it and then, you know, survive and let him die. Um, you know, she she really is, and George has said this many times, his most um, misunderstood character. And, and in in that, I think what he means, it's not that she doesn't do terrible things. She does. But she is very much a religious zealot and she is a true believer and absolutely is devoted to, you know, fighting the great other or, or whatever it is, the 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 enemies of R'hllor. Yeah. And, and you do see that here if you kind of cut through Crescent's bullshit and kind of cut down to like what Mel is actually doing. And I think like even aside from I mean, obviously, it seems like there is woman hate going on. But I think he seems to really be super, super sciencey and super, super hate anything that has to do, you know, the first thoughts he has are oh, I'm foolish for thinking this, you know, and he, he kind of brings this up a lot. Like, he really hates that he hates that religious like focus on anything like sort of fantastical or yes. you know, so that's yes. definitely and, an element there. Like the two and of them I are like polar opposites. <laughs> As the resident raised in an evangelical um, home, I, you definitely see what George's opinion is of like <laughs> evangelical yeah, yeah. faith here. Um, <laughs> you, you definitely get a concept of it with with the way that he frames Melisandre and and the followers of R'hllor in the story, which is pretty funny. I will say too, even like I mean, I'm no fan of how Crescent was treated by Melisandre, you know, before he drank the cup out of the cup, but. She even gave him an out. Are you sure? Are you sure yeah. you want to share this drink with <laughs> yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, we have one final, um, I guess, a, a general comment from a Tumblr anon. <laughs> I hate Barristan Selmy, and they put dot, dot, dot. What? <laughs> Actually. <laughs> That's for you, Chicky. It's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> I I just can't hate him. I mean, like he's such a product of his environment, and he does, in his own way, like come through at times. I mean, I don't understand why people aren't excited when he gets to Danny. Like to me, sorry, oh, spoilers. There was somebody on another episode who just like flat out. One of you guys said, "I hate Burris and Selmy," and I was just like, "Oh, I thought it was Chick Pizza." No, 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 no. It wasn't me. No, no I, I don't I care. I don't want to I don't put words in people's mouths, but I don't. I don't think it was. Maybe I missed her. Well, who's not here? It was definitely was Guile. Not... <laughs> somebody said it. Oh, I remember somebody said it, but I don't... if anyone said it, it was Guile. <laughs> no, but I, I think, I think you know, Barristan definitely fucks up. Barristan definitely does not stand up and do the right thing many times in his life. But at the same time, he has his real moments in this in the story. <laughs> anti-fan going on there (laughs) um okay so if you would like to send us a message you can do so at close the door and come here.tumblr.com or you can email us at close the door and at gmail.com um there's also we're also on twitter at door podcast please like and review us on apple podcasts or wherever you listen as it really helps new listeners find the the podcast 
And lastly, please consider supporting us on Patreon. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash close the door. And we would like to thank all of the people who are our Patreon supporters. Okay, I'm closing the door. Get out.